I'm Melissa Bonzak, author of the June Nash Adventure Series, and when I'm not writing, I'm reading. I started this show to rave about new discoveries, chat with indie and small publishing house authors, and share from my works in progress. This is Books Cubed, interviews, raves, and reads. There are some not-safe-for-work words in today's reading, so if you are within earshot of impressionable adults or small children, please take caution. Good adventures, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of Books Cubed. I am recording this a little bit early. I have a couple shows I'll be recording early because I'm going in for surgery. I'm getting my second cochlear implant. I have one in my left ear, and I'm going to be getting one in the right ear. Thank God there's only two ears because I hate recovering from these surgeries. Knocks me out for a while. Well, it did. Only done it once. Only had one other ear done. Anyway, so I'm going in to get this done. So I'm recording uh, maybe three shows ahead of time just to make sure that I don't miss anything. I don't want to miss one. If I miss one, then I'll miss two and then I'll miss three. And you people will freak out because you're not getting this every week. Okay, I'm done laughing. Okay, so today I'm going to read from uh, my work in progress, which is Four Bullets and a Ghost, and that title is going to change. So this is chapter five, no, chapter four and five that I'll be reading today. If you want to stop and go back and listen to the other chapters, go ahead and do that. It'll be episodes four for chapter one and episode 14 for chapters two and three. And I'll put that in the show notes. So, you know, if you want to go back and hear that first. Um, Chapter one is really wordy. Uh, I'm going to have my editor probably kick out about a thousand of those words. And I still need a good first sentence. It's a very so-so first sentence right now. Um, It's setting up the characters. I usually don't take this long to set things up. I usually dive right into the story. You're right into the middle of it. And with this one, there was just a lot of setup, and I don't need all that. So a lot of that's going to go. Anyway, so, but it's still wonderful. So exciting. So much fun. You'll love it. It's about a detective and her partner who's a ghost. So I am um, going to find the pages here. Okay, here they are. So uh, this is chapter four. I'm going to start with chapter four, The Recovery. Three days later, Finley woke up to her girlfriend, decked out as a Civil War nurse. Good morrow. I'm to the hospital to fetch my good brother. Finley sat up and propped a pillow behind her back. Thank God for Zelda. Cosplay made for a nice distraction, especially today. Do you need me to hitch the wagon up for you? Her girlfriend patted a pocket in her uniform, and Finley heard a set of keys rattle. Transportation has already been arranged. When Walter leapt over the desk back in her office, he broke in his ankle and dislocated his knee. A long outpatient day for most people, unless your family name was on the door above the new wing at the hospital. Then you ended up in a VIP room with a round-the-clock private nurse. Shall you be accompanying me? Zelda asked. Finley grabbed her cell phone from the nightstand, checked to see if the battery was full, and then unplugged it. It was a little after eight in the morning. I thought Walter was supposed to stay one more day. Zelda and Walter's father had wanted to leave, hadn't wanted to leave anything to chance and had insisted that the hospital keep his son for a few days, just in case. When you had money, you could do stuff like that. 
The patient protesteth enough to warrant an early release, Zelda said, and he didn't wanteth to misseth the service. Jack's memorial. Something Finley hadn't been looking forward to. She wanted to grieve for her friend in private, and the thought of being comforted by people she didn't know made her uneasy. Would you like to accompany me to the springeth, Zelda asked. After to meet Tony. He'd been with them in the waiting room while the doctors had fixed Walter. He'd said he'd kept saying the words, it looks random, but that didn't make sense. As the night wore on, she'd finally let him leave after he'd promised that she'd be his first call, when he figured it out. Three days and still no word. It was time to be proactive, she sent a text. A text. The bean. Now. Ah, Tony, the good officer of the law. Zelda was over at the dresser, adjusting her hat in the mirror. She tilted it just off center and smiled at her reflection. Perhaps we can come back this way and pickest you up. There's some stuff I gotta take care of. Finley clicked on her calendar and reread the reminder. I'll meet you guys there. Or have a good excuse later, if she missed the service entirely. What dost thou have to take care of? Rent. Finley rolled onto her back and stretched. Well, that Walter's just me, and I don't want to miss the money shot. Damn, the writer had become an integral part of her operation. Perhaps thou can gettest by with the use of portraits from these months past. Finley pushed the covers back. What if she's changed her hair? She made a quick dash for the bathroom, coming back a few minutes later to search for the cleanest T-shirt and shorts in the pile near the bed. Thou hast all weekend to dealeth with rent, Zelda said. Perhaps thou should attend the church early? Finley buttoned up her shorts and gave the T-shirt a sniff before slipping it over her head. Why would I do that? Zelda dropped her eyes and took a sudden interest in the imaginary wrinkles in her dress. I told the priest thou mightest want to sayeth something. Why would you do that? Finley didn't even want to be at the funeral. Because I thought you might want to sayeth something. Well, I don'teth. She fished a key out of the dish of coins on her nightstand. Jack would appreciate it. Finley yanked open the top drawer. Tony still had her Beretta. It had been confiscated after the shooting, but she had a backup, a Glock. Jack won't be there. Truly? Finley unlocked the case and checked the weapon. The chamber was empty, the clip full. She'd carry it in her purse until she could get a new ankle holster. Thou won't be needeth that for a funeral. It's a work day. Rent isn't going to shooteth thou, Zelda said. Leaveth it at home just for this day. Finley didn't like the idea of being unarmed. Things tended to happen when you least expected them, like when you were kicking back in your office, done with a case. If anyone else had asked, she would have ignored them. But this was Zelda. She set the gun back in its case and closed the drawer. I thank thee. Zelda stood up and pulled what looked like an invitation from a pocket. I shall reconnect with thou at the appointed time in the church. She pressed the card to her lips and set it on the bed. It was a notice for Jack's memorial, and the kiss half covered the address. Finley. She looked up from the notice. Thou also receivest a letter from a solicitor. I set it in the kitchen by the kettle. Are thou'st being sued again? Finley blew out of breath. She'd been sued once. Of course not. And it had been Walter's fault. Zelda nodded. If thou say so, thou does. 
Zelda leaned across the bed for a kiss. After she'd gone, Finley waited until she'd heard the front door click shut, and then she got the Glock and left the card. Chapter 5, The Cousin When Finley got to the bean, Tony was already at a table on the patio, his chin propped in one hand, a to-go coffee clutched in the other. The dark blue suit he usually wore had been swapped out for a pair of jeans and a gray T-shirt commemorating Arizona's bicentennial, which was probably the last time either had been washed. Sunglasses were hiding his eyes, and from the way his body was leaning to one side, Finley suspected he was asleep. She parked and darted between cars, waiting their turn in the drive-thru, and dropped into the wrought iron chair across from him. He didn't stir, so she let her keys hit the metal table with a loud clang. Tony twitched. He set down his cup and lifted his aviators to give her a glassy stare. Damn shame about Jack. Thanks. She knew he'd never been a fan of her mentor, so it was the nicest sentiment she was going to get. So tell me about the kid. She wanted to get right to it. Find out the real reason Jack had died. Random my ass. How about we start with a few pleasantries, Tony asked. Okay, good morning. About the kid. Hang on. Tony waved a hand at the coffee shop's front window. Finley leaned back in her chair. He was going to take his time, make her sweat it out, be an asshole. She thought of Jack's pet, Jack's pet name for him, Detective Fuck, and she almost smiled. How come you and Jack never got along, she asked. Tony, draw, Tony slapped at the air near his ear. It's a P.I. slash cop thing. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. Finley cocked her head, because I've never been a P.I. having to deal with a cop. He lowered his sunglasses to scan the air in front of his face and then swatted at nothing. Why'd you and Jack get along, he asked. There must have been at least 40 years between you two. What the hell did you talk about? Finley shrugged. Booze, guns, bad guys. Her relationship with Jack hadn't been that odd, just limited. They'd met at a shooting competition, silhouette targets. She'd come in first. He'd been the weird guy in the trench coat keeping score. Afterwards, they talked guns and whiskey and work. She was looking. He was retiring soon. Two days later, she found herself in his office, learning how to be PI. They'd worked together for eight months, solving cases, hitting the gun range on Sundays, closing out the night at Jimmy's bar. Conversations always seemed to revolve around their cases and a guest at Zelda's outfit of the day, audition or cosplay. It was almost impossible to believe that he was dead or the victim of some random violence. Are we done with the pleasantries? Tony's expression said no. You look like crap. Maybe he'd get tired of pleasantries if they weren't. Tony scratched the stubble on his chin and waved his hand in the direction of the coffee shop, this time with a little more urgency. I'm trying to catch a bad guy, he said. It takes priority. Not to showering. So what else do you know about the, about the kid? Can you at least let me get some coffee first? She pointed to the cup in his hand. What's that? A fond memory. He half stood for one more wave at the bean. This time, he got a reaction. The door propped open, and a dark-haired woman in her early 30s scurried out. A small bag bounced on the styrofoam cup she was carrying. It wasn't even 10, and she already looked exhausted. How does Melina stand you like this? Finley threw the question to her cousin, but her eyes were on his girlfriend. 
Melina set everything else down on the table. I make him sleep on the couch. She pointed a finger at the bag, which turned out to be full of broken pastries. It's a variety of stuff. Honestly, I think some of it's from last week. This new manager is a real piece of work. He won't throw anything away. Thanks, Mel, Tony said. Don't thank me yet. The coffee's hot, but it's from last night. She leaned down for a quick kiss. There's napkins in the bag. Good to see you, Finley. I gotta get back. Tony caught her hand and drew her in for a peck on the lips. See you at home, she said. Finley waited until they were alone and gave her cousin a wide-eyed grin. You're living with Melina? Does Aunt Trudy know? She couldn't imagine his mother, a devout Catholic, being happy with the idea of her only son living in sin. You know, I'm going to hold this over you, right? Tony ignored the questions and the threat and shook the pastries out onto a few of the napkins. Shouldn't you be at Jack's funeral? It's later. You're not going? Tony rang his, ran his tongue over his bottom lip as if he was seriously considering her question or amused that she'd asked it. No. He grabbed a chunk of scone and tried to break off a smaller piece without success. Finley propped the, popped the lid off of one of the coffees and slid it closer to his hand. Thanks, he said, dunking. She waited while he shoved the wet pastry into his mouth, chewed, picked out another piece, and repeated the process. Are we done being pleasant yet, she asked. Tony sucked at his teeth. A little more might be nice. I'm having a shitty morning. No leads on my case, and I just found out I got a break in a damn rookie. He bobbed his head at the napkins. The pink pieces aren't half bad. Finley picked out the smallest one and popped it into her mouth. You're always having a shitty morning, she said as she turned the stale pastry over with her tongue. She had no idea what flavor it was supposed to have been when it was fresh. It was that bad. She spit it out into her palm and then tossed it in the direction of a nearby crow. It bounced on one foot and squawked at her before flying away. Smart bird. Okay, enough's enough. What do you know, Tony? He slouched in his seat. Honestly? Yeah. And tipped his head to one side. Honestly, I got nothing. The kid, Gregory Claymore, had a clean sheet, and I couldn't find anything to tie him to any of you. Which makes it... He leaned toward her expectantly. She just stared at him, not about to play along. Random, he finished. Just like I told you at the hospital. Finley shook her head. So this kid, Claymore, wakes up one day and decides to shoot a few people he doesn't know. Tony shrugged. It happens. He shifted in his chair and swatted at the air by his ear. Tony, there were four of us in that room. The kid went straight for Jack. But he tried to shoot Walter. And you, luckily, he was a shitty shot. He stood up. Switch with me. What? There's a fly fucking with my personal space. He batted at the empty air again, moved a step to his left, another swat, and he moved back to his right. Will you sit down and take this seriously, please? The kid was looking for Jack. If it had just been random, he would have tried to shoot Walter and Zelda first, or me. He looked past all of us. There's something that you're missing. Fuck you. Tony, you need to talk to Jack's friends. Look at his old case files. Ask around at Jimmy's. We need to find that connection. Why, he asked. The kid who shot him is dead. 
and then he forgot about the fly, shifted his weight to his back foot, and let his arms fold across his chest. Is that what this is about? You having to kill a 19-year-old kid? You know what? Fuck you. She pushed her chair back and stood up. Because it was you or him, Finn. I know that, Tony. I was there. But you weren't. And this wasn't just some random off-the-street shit that went down. That kid was there because of Jack. And if you won't help me, I'll figure it out myself. She turned to go, and Tony caught a hold of her wrist. Finn, sometimes no matter how hard you look, all you end up with are more questions. Let go of me, she said. You're never going to find what you're looking for. Let go, she repeated. Maybe you should talk to one of those therapists that specializes in trauma. They make us do that shit at the station all the time. I've heard it helps. I'm fine. You killed a teenager, Finn, no matter the consequence, no matter the circumstances. If you're fine, then you really do need to talk with someone. How about Aunt Trudy? Tony narrowed his eyes at her. Your mom loves a good chat, Finley said. And there's so much we could talk about. Bullets, bad guys, the fact that you moved in with your girlfriend and still haven't told her. He stared at her for a moment. Now that's just mean. But he let go and then glanced down at her keys. They both made a grab for them, Finley slapping at his hand as he smacked at hers. Somehow, and somehow in the scuffle, Tony's cup went airborne, splashing hot liquid all over the detective. Nice, Finn. He rescued a half-soaked napkin from the puddle on the table and dabbed its wet edges on his wet shirt. While he was distracted, she snatched her keys, wiped them off on her pants, and took off for her car. Finn, where are you going? I'm going to do what you won't, detective, she yelled over her shoulder. There's nothing to do, he shouted back. It was random. She threw him the bird and got in her car and locked the door, just in case he followed her over. But he hadn't. She started the car and gunned the engine. Where to start? She couldn't talk to the kid's family. Nobody liked explaining why their relative was a killer, and she'd never be able to get a look at the police report now. All that left was whatever Jack might have known. She threw the car into drive and hit the gas, pointing herself toward the south side of town. She'd start with the only thing she had, Jack's case files. I'm going to read one more chapter. So let me... Okay, this is um, chapter six, The Files. Finley didn't know Jack's gate code at the safe and dry storage, so she parked out front and headed into the little office. If she'd had time to prepare, she could have shown up with papers identifying herself as Jack's daughter and aired everything he'd left behind. Since she hadn't, she'd have to do it the hard way. A six-month contract for a five-by-eight that she'd cancel as soon as Jack's files were in the trunk of her car. Armed with an entry code, she eased her Mustang through the gate and parked between two long, low buildings at the back of the facility and grabbed a set of bump keys from the glove box. She was pretty good at picking locks, if she had time, and nobody breathing down her neck. At the last second, she grabbed the Glock out of her purse and tucked it into the waistband of her jeans, just in case. Jack's stuff was in building A, the one on the left. A few steps in, automatic lights kicked on, chasing her down the dark hall. All the units in this wing were closet-sized with regular doors. She was looking for unit 108. At the end of the corridor, 
She followed the signs and turned left. Halfway down, she could see a dull yellow light spilling out into the hall. One of the doors was propped open. She did a quick scan of the numbers. Somebody was messing in Jack's locker. Random my ass Tony. The kid had an accomplice. Finley leaned an arm against the wall and tugged the Glock out of her waistband. Claymore had been armed. Most likely, his partner would be too. She stretched her index finger along the barrel just above the trigger. This time, she was ready. Creeping forward, she inched along until she was just outside the splash of light. She could hear somebody moving in number 108. Letting out a breath to calm herself, she took a quick glance around the edge of the door. Boxes were stacked as high as she was tall, and there was nobody in sight. The dead kid's partner was crouched down, which meant she had the advantage. They needed their hands free to look for Jack's files, so any gun would be holstered or on the floor beside them. She could step back, wait until the thief was done, maybe call Tony. Her grip on the Glock tightened. Better yet, she could confront this creep and find out why Jack was dead. It wasn't random, and she was tired of waiting for answers. She let out the breath she'd been holding and moved her finger closer to the trigger and leaped out into the open doorway. Freeze, she yelled. A middle-aged guy in sweatpants was crouched between the stack of boxes, giving her a cheap seat's view of his butt crack. He twisted to look up at her, his mouth open in surprise. Then he screamed, sprang to his feet, and ran right through her. Finley was knocked on her ass, smacking her collarbone against the doorknob on the way down. She let out a scream of her own as she rolled to her feet and stumbled after him. At the end of the hall, she flattened herself against the wall, wiped her sweaty hands on her pants, and peered around the corner. It was a dead end, and there was no guy. Just a woman in a dirty gray shirt and mom jeans, staring back at her. Where was the guy? She never got the question off her lips. The woman leaned back on her left foot and swung a fist at her head. The force knocked Finley off her feet. She hit the floor, dazed, cool concrete under her hands and against her stomach as her shirt traveled up her body. She was being dragged by her feet. She tried to protest, but her lips wouldn't form the words. Her right leg was hoisted up. She heard the unmistakable sound of handcuffs clicking shut and felt cold metal snap around her leg just above her ankle socks. And then the leg dropped, hitting against the restraint, metal biting into her skin. She flinched and pressed her palms against the floor and inched her way backward, ignoring the pain in her shoulder, until her heel rested against the wall and could support her leg. Heavy footfalls clunked away from her. The woman was leaving, and as she did, the lights in the hall snapped off, and Finley found herself in complete darkness. Jack had trained her to do a lot of things. Getting out of her own handcuffs in a pitch-black room wasn't one of them. She'd have to wait for whatever was next. Jesus, Finn. Finley's eyes snapped open. Had she fallen asleep? Her legs certainly had. Lights began to kick in down the hall, and Tony stepped out of the shadows. He put his hands on his hips and shifted his weight to his right leg. I seriously don't have time for this shit. No pleasantries, she asked. She could see her gun tucked into the waistband of his jeans. 
It was going to be a bitch to get this one back. What the fuck is wrong with you, he asked. Unlock me. I can't feel my foot. She was twisted on her hip, trying to look up at his face. You pulled a gun on an innocent and terrified bystander. The guy was messing in Jack's storage locker. No, he was messing in his own storage locker. What the hell am I going to do with you? Finley wiggled her leg. You could start by unlocking me. If you'd have used a little bit of that ever-so-sweet charm of yours, the guy at the desk might have told you that Jack cleared his stuff out of his place two years ago. He crouched down beside her. Why are you obsessing over fucking Jack Higgins? Tony, Finley stamped her free foot against the locker door. Even if you'd found his files, you wouldn't have gotten any answers. Just a lot of me mediocrity. He was a shit detective and took in shit cases. I dealt with him a lot longer than you did. Lost pets, divorce cases, background checks. Hell, in all the years that Jack was a PI, I bet he never even drew his weapon. I'm sorry, Finn, but sometimes we don't get to know the why. He tugged a bit bent business card from his wallet. I'm going to unlock you. You're going to call this shrink and make an appointment so you can get over whatever the hell is wrong with you. He tucked the card in the back pocket of her jeans. And then you're going to apologize to everybody. That lady hit me. And you're going to make your groveling sound convincing. You're grieving. Jack was like a father and you're freaked out about his funeral which is the only explanation I can come up with for you running around half-cocked. Fine, uncuff me. You know, he said, scratching the stubble on his chin, you look like you're in pain. I am. Uncuff me. Maybe you should apologize first. Might help you get some sympathy forgiveness. He stood up. I'll go get them. They're in her office. Tony! But he was walking away. Uncuff me, she yelled after him. As he disappeared up the hall and the lights began to snap back out, Finley used the only threat she knew that might bring him back. I'm so telling your mother! Tony wouldn't uncuff her pre-apology, but the sympathy angle worked. Neither the guy nor the lady pressed charges, and after Finley made an appointment with the shrink, Tony returned her Glock. Go to Jack's funeral, he said. Without the case files to look over, there really wasn't anything else she could do. And Finn, Tony cut her arm. If the crazy comes back, close your eyes, count to ten, and leave your goddamn gun out of it. Finley parked near the church. Close enough so that she could see the crowd through binoculars, but not so close that she'd be spotted by Zelda or anyone else. The turnout was huge. Some people she knew... Some she didn't. They'd all want to console her, probably hug her, offer words of sympathy, and none would understand what she was going through. She didn't even understand what she was going through. She thought she'd been fine when she'd woken up that morning. Yeah, he was her mentor. Yeah, they'd worked together for almost a year, but she hadn't seen him in two. It wasn't like they were best friends. Why was she letting it make her crazy? Was it just her way of dealing what she, with what she'd been forced to do? She sighed and set the binoculars in her lap. 
I don't know if I can go in. Me neither. Finley glanced up in her rearview mirror. Jack was in the back seat. He leaned into the front and rested an elbow on the center console and looked just like he had the last time she'd seen him. Same hat, same suit, same big red splotch of blood in the center of his wrinkled white shirt. Here, have one of these. He held up two of Zelda's mini bottles, radish, and both topped with a red and white striped straw. They aren't half bad. Jack? She looked down at the bottles and thought about the last thing he'd said to her. Want to join me for a drink? Tony was right. She was losing it. Hey, honey, how you doing? Not as good as I thought. She got out of the car, and there was Jack, drink still in hand. Finley closed her eyes and counted. When she hit ten, she looked around. She was alone. Score one for Tony. Getting back in the car, she glanced up in the rearview mirror and let out a relieved sigh. The back seat was empty. I know you're mad at me, because Jack was in the front passenger seat. Tony was an idiot, and she was insane. Jack, you're dead. Saying it out loud felt silly, but necessary. Doesn't mean we can't talk. Huh, I thought it did. She took one of the bottles. No sense in fighting whatever this was. She slurped a mouthful of rum, waiting for the shivers, and got nothing. It was like drinking wet air. She lifted the bottle up to the light. It seemed real, and then she looked over at Jack, extended a finger, and poked his shoulder. He felt solid. I thought ghosts were supposed to be all floaty and stuff. Why would you think that? She shrugged and took a sip of air. There was no way she was telling anyone about this. Conversing with dead people seemed like something that might get you committed. So what do you want to talk about, she asked. Tony's wrong, Jack said. The kid knew me. That made her forget all about the loony bin. You were at the bean this morning? Why didn't you tell Tony that the kid knew you? I couldn't. Jack set his bottle into one of the cup holders and took her hands. I can only talk to you when I'm kind of dying in your arms. Finley gasped and felt a wave of chills roll down her spine. Really? Jack looked in her eyes and laughed. Sweetie had died in Zelda's arms. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to talk to Tony because he's a fuck. Finley shook her hands free. God damn it. She flung open her car door and got out and was almost run over by Jack, who was standing beside the car. Are you haunting me, she asked. Who's haunting? I just want to know why I'm dead, he said, and you're my best bet. You get a hold of something and you don't let go. Finley leaned against the car. Tony calls me obsessive. Jack grinned. It's one of your best qualities. He wasn't being complimentary. Because he's a fuck. Forget him. Let's go get some pie. He went around to the passenger side and got in the car. Finley leaned to look in the window, and he rolled a finger in the air. Come on, he mouthed. And there was nothing to do but get back in and go along with her mental breakdown. A cup? What kind of pie do you want? She cranked the engine and Jack dissolved into a thick cloud of mist. Okay, so that's it for this week. If you are on the podcast, scroll down to those stars and leave me some star love. And uh, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and put a comment in there. And oh, and I added a link if you're on the podcast and you want to leave a comment that I'll find because the podcasts are all over the place and you can leave comments in places I'll never see it. 
um, go down to the show notes and there's a link right there and that will take you to this show's webpage and you can leave a comment there and I will see it. So go ahead and do that. And I will see you next week for a super exciting show. And in the meantime, go read a good book. <music>